When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, mm-hmm. we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Welcome to a special playoff edition of the Purple Podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, Vikings analyst for 1500ESPN.com. And, of course, I'm joined by Derek Wetmore. Now, Derek, i got to apologize off the front here. I, I've, I've often said you're the football savant of 1500ESPN.com, and I've said it with a tongue in my cheek. But I, I shouldn't be doing that anymore because you just keep getting it right. I don't know, man. I, it's it, one of those things that just keep poking fun at you and don't realize <laughs> What insight there actually is. We'll get to that picks at the very end and see uh, what's going to happen with Nostra Derek. First of all, though, (laughs) we're going to get to the Minnesota Vikings hosting the Seattle Seahawks. They are playoff underdogs currently on this Wednesday afternoon by five and a half points by some of the latest uh, Vegas aggregations. That's something that I don't think many people are surprised after the Seahawks obviously dismantled the Vikings in December. It was just a month ago today, actually, mm-hmm. December 6th, mm-hmm. uh, 38-7. to The offense was shut out. We'll get to what Teddy Bridgewater and the offensive line need to do differently this time around against a Super Bowl-caliber defense in Seattle. Uh, we'll obviously get to do the Vikings have a different approach now for Russell Wilson. This is the second time Mike Zimmer is facing this quarterback. Obviously, that might uh, give him a little bit of an advantage. And have they found a solution? for containing mobile quarterbacks such as Russell Wilson. And then we'll get to, after two-thirds of doom, why the Vikings have a shot. Yeah. <laughs> why they've got a shot, then obviously our pick segment. First of all, Derek Wetmore, though, let's talk about the quarterback. I think Seattle obviously has a massive advantage in that, uh, in that matchup when we're talking about the two QBs in this game, especially with playoff experience. Right. Russell's young, but he's been here. He's been there many times before. This is Teddy Bridgewater's first ever playoff game. We saw him play on the biggest stage of his career last weekend in Green Bay, and he didn't fare quite as well as people were hoping. Yeah. Uh, you were one of the lone reporters there at Teddy Bridgewater's press conference at the end of that game. What did you take away from what he saw there and what they need to do differently here moving forward with well, Teddy? it's interesting because Bridgewater, right, is one of those kinds of players that would like to help he'd like to help you out as a media member he'd like to be helpful and tell you some things (laughs) and he also realizes the guy who butters his bread doesn't want him saying a word about the vikings offensive strategy and their game plans and things of that nature so i I guess teddy was classic teddy praising his teammates he made fun of himself where he needed to be made fun of he did confirm for us after the game that he is in fact not left-handed oh good that good. uh that interception to micah high w- would <laughs> would seem to have clarified that but 
but he went ahead and, and made sure we knew that. Um, he said he got chewed out pretty good by Mike Zimmer, but I, I think we have to read between the lines, right, to figure out the kinds of things they're doing with Teddy uh, in that game, in the Green Bay game, versus what they'd been doing the previous three games. And correct me if I'm wrong, Andrew, you're the one that's done all the film work that it just seems like they were able to hit receivers in open space in quick developing routes in the three games that Teddy was at his best. He he was completing 70% of his passes for those three games. Um, his average yards per attempt, which is a stat I like for quarterbacks measuring that kind of stuff. It's not is, the QB wins stat that a lot of people like no, to lean Q, on. Although he did pick up the win, <laughs> QB win. Um, no, but you're absolutely right. That is a very that, that's an advantageous stat. There it shows you that they're stretching the ball or getting the yards after the catch, or yeah. just yeah, completing a high percentage of their plays, converting plays for positive yardage. Yeah, whereas yep. if you're attempting a throw and it's incomplete, that's mm-hmm. gonna hurt your average. It was over those three games, nine point oh six for Bridgewater, which is top in the NFL. I mean, that's a fantastic mark. Uh, Bridgewater is actually, I, I don't know, I think he's more around 7.5 uh, for the season. And so a huge improvement in terms of uh, average yards per attempt in the past three games. And then that went away. In Green Bay, didn't see that. What were they doing differently? They took some deep shots early. Bridgewater was just inconsistent, inaccurate. But I think part of that is a product of the different game plan they had against the Packers compared with the previous three weeks. Yeah, see, I saw Teddy Bridgewater missing open guys and and taking a step back, too, and just looking at this offense as a whole – I mean, they are Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson yeah. still got 19 carries. He was he was contained the way he has been pretty much the last five games, but he's still the biggest threat, and he, he controls what a defense wants to yeah. do against this offense because he's obviously the number one threat. This offense can get off the ground when you have Teddy Bridgewater taking advantage or, or the cliche of taking what a defense gives you. That was something that taking he... Taking what they give you. He, he leaned on that crutch a lot in today's press conference. We're saying this Wednesday of this week, obviously. Teddy is somebody who's not going to beat you over the top. This offense is not the vertical offense they thought they were going to have coming into the season, but they found a solution kind of down the stretch when you bring up the numbers that Teddy had and the efficiency that he had in this offense. And that is when they can kind of become... Uh, what they want to be. If they don't have, and it can't always be on the protection, this offensive line is what it is, and it's not changed through the last 16 weeks. They might have gotten better cohesion. They might be uh, a little bit improved, but they are going to be limited in what they are. That means the linchpin is Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. He missed, like you said, he missed those deep shots to Jarek McKinnon wide open down the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. He sometimes didn't just see the open receiver. He was staring down somebody in Green Bay and wasn't able to take advantage of the spots that there were. So there is some credence, in my opinion, to him saying taking what it gives you. But Seattle's defense now is a juggernaut if Green yeah. Bay's defense was good against you. Seattle is, is on another level. Is yeah, my I point. was going to say, if you're using the cliche, taking what the defense gives you, um, a normal defense might give you things here or there. They might trade off. Seattle's taking things away from you. Yeah, so I'm, there's nothing being given to no, you against they, the Seattle Seahawks. They are sound. And the, and the thing is, too, they've just got so many athletes and so many mismatches they can create. Sure. And just the names, you can go down the list, whether you're talking about guys like Cliff Averill, Bobby Wagner, um, obviously uh, uh, Michael Bennett, uh, Bruce Irvin. Uh, and in the back, obviously, with Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas, Cam Chancer, all of them. Those, those are players that are going to beat you one on one no matter what they want to do. So they don't need to do anything fancy, is my opinion. They just line up and beat you at what they're good at. And, and that's something where the Vikings need to then stay within what they're good at. And Teddy Bridgewater can't be the guy who's trying to go out there and make a left-handed throw against this defense. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. No. no. Yeah. <laughs> he just needs to stay within what he can do. And That's my unsolicited advice for the week. And, and they need to lean on Adrian Peterson as well and hope he breaks a couple runs. But uh, Seattle's going to do what 
every defense has done against this Vikings offense, which is load the box, take yep. away Adrian, and say, Teddy beat us. And yep. in the games in which this offense has gotten off the ground, it's really been because they've jumped out to an early lead and, and rested on Adrian Peterson, or Teddy can play above and beyond what you expect of him, which is just to kind of make those easy throws. He needs sure. to hit a couple of these deep shots to loosen it up underneath. That's going to be a key. But when you look at what Seattle struggled with before, a strong defensive performance can beat Seattle. The Vikings defense can be enough to beat Seattle. Uh, look at what the St. Louis Rams have done. Yeah. The St. Louis Rams beat Seattle twice this season with Case Keenum once and Nick Foles the other time. And there were two drastically different quarterback performances, Derek, when you look at it. I think Case Keenum barely threw for 100 yards in their win just a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. I think, against Seattle. So they don't need Teddy to be superhuman. They just can't have him make mistakes. They cannot have him turn the ball over. Let me ask you, are, you mentioned he's going to have to hit some of the hard throws. He can't just be the guy that's taking the easy throws all the time. Are the easy throws going to be there against Seattle's defense? I don't think they're going to allow that because that's something where if you've seen it, you you can tell that Teddy Bridgewater is a guy who's it doesn't seem totally comfortable throwing into tight contested coverages. Sure. And so if you just play tight man coverage the entire time and try to rush and, and get after him and kind of sit low on, on, on routes, that could cause some problems for yeah, him. So uh, the short developing I, stuff, crossing patterns, things like that, those might not even be available to the Vikings the same way they were against, say, the Chicago Bears. For, yeah, that's that's very example. true. The Seattle team is much, or the Seattle defense is much more talented uh, and, and much faster, and can take away those kind of plays underneath. Mm-hmm. But what I mean by taking the deep shots when they come is, I mean kind of what they did against Chicago or maybe the Giants, uh, which is where when you do have that 15-yard fade route to Stephon Diggs, you have to be perfect on that placement. Uh, Green Bay is also a much improved defense, and they're pretty athletic as well. And and they didn't allow a lot of the short stuff, which is why Teddy struggled. Mm-hmm. But he had that deep shot to Jarek McKinnon. If you, you hit, hit that, that's you a touchdown. Those are the plays that I'm talking about. When the few kind of come up, you got to hit those when you have those opportunities because this Seattle team is not going to make many mistakes. They are going to prey on the mistakes that you make. Sure, that's a great point. Here's uh, Mike Zimmer's reaction to the overthrow to McKinnon. Um, and maybe it wasn't specifically to that one, but he said... Is the FCC you know, going to allow this? Yeah, it actually. <laughs> part of it, anyways. He said, uh, I don't think they regulate podcasts yet. That's there's, a good point. There's That's not a, a regulatory point. industry. Uh, you couldn't exactly... Relay Zimmer or North Turner quotes if that were the case. But in essence, he said, um, we run that play a lot in practice, the nine to McKinnon. Uh, just have him, hey, go, run a go route. And he says Bridgewater hits him every single time. And my counter to that is <laughs> great, like yeah. good that you can. DeAndre Jordan hits all his free throws in practice, Yeah, exactly. Guys. <laughs> yeah, fantastic that you, all of my podcasts yeah. are good before we turn yeah. the microphone on. <laughs> great that you can do that, but it matters what you do in the game. And in the game, Bridgewater missed some of the yeah. biggest throws against Green Bay. He needs to make those and, throws on Sunday. And like I was just being, uh, Teddy, you can be self-deprecating, which is good, um, especially yeah. after a play like that where he throws the left-handed one and then misses Jarek McKinnon. Mm-hmm. But, uh, uh, this stage is only getting bigger, and to see him struggle on what was the biggest stage of his young career, yeah. they're going to be facing a team, like I said, that has been there and done that, and that's going to be, I think, the most daunting task, uh, especially on offense. That's the matchup I'm watching here. Hey, this is Andrew Kramer with the Purple Podcast. I just want to thank you guys for checking us out every week, and if you like the podcast, please go check us out on iTunes, leave a review. Four or five stars would be appreciated, but if you don't like Derek Wetmore's hot football takes or you think Judd Zolgad's a little too negative, you can go ahead and give us a one-star rating if you feel so inclined. But those reviews are going to help us spread the word of the Purple Podcast, the best Minnesota Vikings analysis in town. Now, back to the podcast. I think we'll pivot here and talk about the defense, but 
I think the biggest thing is, is the offense going to be able to do enough and take care of the football? Because yeah. if you don't make many mistakes, when you go back and look at, and I keep going back to the Rams, because the Rams are a team where if I'm Jeff Fisher, I'm, I'm selling the game plan uh, that I've yeah, had against yeah. the Seattle that's team. Right. Yeah, That's something where they, they've been able to get after Russell Wilson. They had 10 sacks in the two wins against Seattle this yeah. season. Uh, they contain him in the pocket. They don't allow a lot of broke, uh, broken down coverages. Uh, they, like I said, they contain the quarterback himself. Mike Zimmer today called Russell Wilson Houdini and said that's oh. just kind of what kind of what of a player he is. Man, now I wish I had Andrew. I wrote a piece on you maybe saw it on fifteen hundred ESPN dot com. I wrote a piece on Charles Johnson and kind of the yeah. disappearing act this week because uh, yeah. I talked to him after the the loss to Green Bay. Just kind of how he's been, you know, inactive three games in mm. a row, healthy scratch. Uh, you're you're not part of the picture anymore, kid. And um, I was going to use, I was going to try to get Houdini into the headline that he was this magic disappearing man. He disappeared right before our eyes. So now I'm kind of regretting that I didn't use that headline. Something that tells Zimmer's me jumped on it. Yeah. Something tells me we'll get a headline up there with Houdini this week. <laughs> we have to, but the point is, is that I, I think the defense can win the day for him as long as Teddy Bridgewater sure. doesn't make those mistakes. You need to see him play clean football and not do what he did before. And the sure. only reason they're able to survive that left-handed interception against Green Bay is because Everson Griffin forces a fumble Absolutely. four plays later. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, let's pivot and talk about the defense and maybe what they can do and, and what they can take away from Seattle, or excuse me, St. Louis, uh, as we've talked about. And have they found a different solution, perhaps, to containing mobile quarterbacks? And I think some of it can be taken from what St. Louis was doing. Uh, I remember watching some of that game against uh, St. Louis and Seattle. It would have been the afternoon game because we were waiting for the night game, the New York mm-hmm. Giants. So we're sitting in the press box, and it's it's on the TV, right, St. Yeah. Louis and Seattle. And you see them, how they're rushing. Russell Wilson is more of a let's try to pressure him from one angle and sit and wait on the other because we know he's going to run and escape. And, and if that makes sense, like what Mike Zimmer did on Sunday night against Green Bay was a couple instances where they get him in second and 11. You know, they get him in an obvious passing down. And what they would do is they would overload blitz one, let's say, right tackle. They'd just send four guys off the right tackle and right guard. And they would just send Everson Griffin on a wide angle on the opposite side and just have him kind of sit there. And he wasn't pushing the tackle back. He was just kind of playing reactionary ball. Mm-hmm. And that's something where you see St. Louis do that as well. And, and honestly, Seattle did that against Teddy Ridgewater in that December 6th loss at TCF Bank Stadium where they would rush a couple guys and sit uh, Bruce Irvin underneath and just wait because they knew Teddy Bridgewater is a guy that likes to take off and run because his protection is so bad. Mm. Well, Russell Wilson doesn't have good protection either. And so that's something where he's using that, but he's, he's maybe throwing on the run more than he had in the past. But I think they've kind of maybe taken a different approach because that first time against Green Bay and the first time against um, Seattle, you saw the Vikings more kind of rush four guys wide okay. and just kind of maybe try to close a pocket Keep him around. Keep in the pocket and make sure he doesn't escape. And now it's more of let's try to bait him into a run and then try to take him down. And that's something I think they've kind of – maybe they'll try to use a little bit more here against uh, okay. Seattle. Do you think that will work against a player like Russell Wilson who for all his – you know the attributes that people like to praise him for, the athleticism, the arm – um, the poise, if you want to call it that. But he also seems to me anyways, in the limited amount of Seattle games that I've seen, to, to just have that extra gear that, uh, uh, and I don't mean physically, I mean mentally, that he has this thought process of, I understand what defenses are trying to do to me, mm. and 
then I know how to exploit that on the other side. I, what, what's your opinion about the intellect of the quarterback and how that plays into all That's that? a great point because I read a good piece, I think it was by ESPN's uh, Seattle Seahawks reporter, the name escapes me right now, but it was, it was a good piece saying like he's improved so much in the pocket, just as a pocket passer. Like He doesn't have to get out and run anymore. You know, The knock on him, Russell Wilson being always barely 5'11", he can't see over his offensive lineman, he'll never be a good pocket passer. <laughs> yeah. Well, Drew Brees has developed into a pretty damn good pocket passer over his career, and so has Russell Wilson right now. And I see some similarities. Uh, Mike Zimmer brought it up today as well, saying uh, the biggest thing he learned about facing Russell Wilson for the first time, because keep in mind that December 6th loss at TCF was the first time ever that Mike Zimmer's faced Russell Wilson. That's counting regular season, preseason. He had never faced him before. And the biggest thing he learned was this guy's pocket passing ability, especially on the deep balls, he's so accurate. And that's really hard to come by uh, for any quarterback. And that's really what separates some of the guys. And that's what you're seeing with Teddy Bridgewater. We talked about it. He's not able to do that yet. And the intellect, though, and understanding what he's seeing, I think that kind of plays into it. And then he knows what coverages to test, whereas you see Teddy still trying to figure that out. Um, One play comes to mind, and it was in two separate games, where you see Teddy Bridgewater against Atlanta try to stare off the safety. They're in the red zone. They're they're somewhere in that 20 to 25-yard range. They're in the red zone. He tries to stare off the safety, and then he comes back and throws it to Kyle Rudolph and just assumes that coverage is going to be there. Well, the Atlanta safety had a much better position on that play, and now Teddy Bridgewater knows not to test that kind of coverage where maybe the safety doesn't bite as much, and then it ends in an interception. Yeah. A couple weeks later, I believe it was against the Bears, the exact same play happened where he looked off the safety, except the safety this time bit more, and he was able to throw that same completion for a 28-yard touchdown to Kyle Rudolph. Yep. Those are the kind of things where you're seeing now maybe a little bit of progression with Teddy, and he knows what to test and what not to test. But Russell Wilson absolutely understands his offense. He absolutely understands what Daryl Bevel's running right now, and he knows what he's looking at downfield. And that's something you, you haven't seen yet from Teddy. So that intellect part of it, I think, is a big part of why Russell Wilson and the deep ball accuracy has been so efficient. Yeah, I think that'll be, you mentioned watching the Bridgewater matchup on offense. I mean, it seems kind of simplistic to say, you know, what's the X factor? Well, quarterback play. But if the Vikings can help level the playing field there, because, I mean, they're underdogs in this game. Everybody knows that, and the Vikings know that as well. If they could even the scales there a little bit, I think, you know, you could look at the rest of it and make a reasonable case that the Vikings actually could be competitive here. Speaking of X factor, I think Marshawn Lynch is going to be the guy here because – uh, when you go back and, and uh, again, I'm going to go back to the St. Louis game a couple weeks ago, or it must have been uh, two weeks ago, on December 26th when St. Louis beat Seattle, uh, and that really kept the thought thinking, oh, the Vikings could be the five seed, but obviously that's not the case because they're better. Um, but when you look back at that game, they didn't have a running back, really. Uh, yeah. Seattle, I think Russell Wilson was their leading rusher. They had Bryce Brown, Christine Michael. They had just lost Thomas Rawls. Obviously, Marshawn Lynch was still recovering from a groin or abdominal surgery that he had uh, the month before. And Rawls ran all over the Vikings and the first time. And Rawls obviously had the 101 yards against the Vikings last time. And so when you look at now what the X factor is going into this one, it's clearly containing Russell Wilson, but it's also the fact that, look, now Seattle's got their best running back back. And if and now we don't know if Linval Joseph's going to be playing. Uh, the Vikings just promoted a defensive lineman from their practice squad to take Red Ellison's spot, and that's going to be a big loss for them too, not having Red Ellison in terms of protection. But 
they're bringing in a defensive lineman. They already have Zach Moore, who they promoted earlier. It, it just the signs are pointing that maybe Linval Joseph, if he, if he is back, maybe won't be a hundred percent. He's been he's missed four of the last five games with his yeah. foot injury and didn't look necessarily great on that foot. No, when he was back. But what the Vikings have to take away anyway is that against Green Bay, they contained the run. They did a great job, uh, and that's that's Shree Floyd, Tom Johnson playing up front. That's Chad Greenway having a healthy Anthony Barr. Uh, Eric Kendricks, I thought, had a hell of a game against Green Bay. Now, if they can play that similar. Because if Russell Wilson has an ability to just hand the ball off and pick up eight yards on first down, that's you just I don't see how you have a shot. Good night and good luck. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I mean that so, that will be a big key for yeah. them. You're right. And we don't know how healthy is Marshawn Lynch going to be coming yeah. off. He's been off seven weeks, I believe, recovering from an abdominal surgery. So uh, we don't know exactly how healthy he'll be, but. We know Marshawn Lynch is a hell of a running back, yeah. so they've got their own Adrian Peterson back there, and, and I think that's going to be an X factor for them as well. No doubt. So moving forward now, why do the Vikings have a shot? Derek, you picked the Vikings against Green Bay, and you were right. Yep. So do you think the Vikings have a shot? If so, why do you think so? Well, they have a shot, and I'll spoil my pick. I, I'm going to take the Seahawks, but to play devil's advocate for a second – it's not going to be the kind of landslide that the first game was. Yeah, if, the offense was shut out. Don't forget last yeah. time. Yeah, they pitched. Uh, yeah, they pitched a shutout, save for Cordero Patterson's kick return plus the TCF leap. What are we calling that? Was, the bank. Uh, the bank leap. The bank. Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think. The well, bank run. I don't know. It could. I don't know. It's that. You put me on the spot here. I'm not yeah, really creative. As no, people can tell. that's <laughs> dumb. That's not your fault. That's just. A, that's a dumb thing to have a nickname for, uh, especially in that situation. Yes. Go ahead and act I, like I was going to say, Mike Zimmer before. might have some choice words for what he would call that play. I don't know yeah, if it would be a catchy, put yeah, it on a hat nickname. No, but. and we probably can't say it on a podcast, even if they're not regulated. Um, yeah, that was, a, that was a stupid play. But it doesn't matter. The, the point is that uh, that game got out of hand, and I think that it is different. People, you know. They lost Anthony Barr. They lost Harrison Smith during the course of that game. Weren't they playing without Linval Joseph? They played without Linval, so that would be maybe the same if Linval doesn't go. But, yeah, they lost Harrison and Anthony within a, a series and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like the first two drives, I want to say. And, yep. like, okay, that changes the game in a not insignificant way. Yeah. And then by the, it's a two-score game, and, all right, suddenly it's, uh, you know, pride mode. It's, it's preserving what yep. you have. I, I do think teams play differently if it's – Say it's twenty-one uh, nothing than if it was twenty-one seventeen. I, I just I think that there is this sort of cumulative slipping effect in the NFL, especially considering you lost uh, well the two most important starters for the day on defense. So I can see like this bunching taking place. I, I think the five and a half point spread from the Vegas people. The, the real savants. <laughs> yes. Yep. yep. I, I think that that is indicative. Yes, that's a big point spread, but I think that's indicative, especially at home. Indicative that okay, it's not going to be a drubbing. I don't foresee this game being ugly and getting out of hand the same way the first time that the Seahawks went to DCF Bank Stadium became. I, well, we can talk about the specific reasons for why, but I will say that even though picking, even though I'm picking the Seahawks, I think that this is a closer game than maybe some people nationally are giving it credit for. That the perception is that the Vikings are just sort of a speed bump on the way to the Super Bowl for the Seahawks. I think the Seahawks, uh, I think the speed bump rather might be a little bit steeper than people are giving it credit for right now. Well, that's a good point, and I think I've got a few other reasons too why the Vikings have yeah, a let's, shot. Let's dig into the specifics of why. Well, the fact that it's going to be ice bowl weather, yeah. <laughs> that's 
that yeah. to me, I mean, it's going to be, I think it's expected to be like 45 degrees in Seattle on Sunday. It's going to be zero or below yeah, in I Minnesota. Just, at I least just, that's the uh, forecast. The uh, KSTP, our friends at uh, Channel 5, their forecast is calling for 15 below wind chills. Woof. Yeah, so I'm glad the press box has you know glass and heated because and I'm like I'm up a on, wimp and we're like up on the third row too right. up near the heaters. I am a ab- I'm an absolute wimp when it comes to that. I like stuff. how people make fun of like players for like standing in front of heaters on the sidelines. You yeah. should see the press box. Everyone's oh my gosh. <laughs> well, and that's who it is. It's all it's all columnists ripping and we're ripping. like in a heated like, yeah, box. exactly yeah. from at, with a hand warmer because yeah. 72 as room temperature is just a little bit too uh, chilly for me. So I'll. I'll throw on a sweater or two. I think the weather could have a factor in this, uh, especially because this is a Seattle offense anyway that has been stretching the field. They have used speed to their advantage, and it's not a cliche to say that cold weather does impact passing games. It impacts scoring. It impacts offenses. And that could play to the Vikings' advantage because what is one area when you look at this matchup and say, oh, Seattle's got a huge advantage? It's the offense. Yeah. It's Russell Wilson, Marshawn Lynch compared to Teddy Bridgewater and Adrian Peterson. And that's where you see, okay, okay, maybe that could even the scales a little bit and the fact that it's going to be windy, it's going to be cold. The Vikings, if it's sunny out, will be on the sunny sideline. They prepared for that long ago, knowing that kind of these games would come if if they played as well as they were hoping. And so that is a factor, I think, as well. You say the sunny side. You're talking about the sideline literally has a difference in temperature because of where the sun hits it Oh, they tested that out. Yeah, whether it's 5, 10 degrees, whatever. But that's, I mean, that can still still have some kind of an impact for the Vikings and, and advantage for them. The other one I see is Mike Zimmer facing Russell Wilson for the second time. I think the coaching staff aspect of it, I think, not to say that Seattle doesn't have excellent coaches. You don't get to -to back-to-back Super Bowls unless you do. But Mike Zimmer's one heck of a defensive mind, and being able to face a quarterback for the second time, I decided to go back and look at some of the other meetings of him facing really good quarterbacks the second time, okay. he almost always does a lot better. Really? You go back and look at the first time he faced Aaron Rodgers. I think Rodgers had like a 100-some 100, 100 passer rating. The next time it was down to 80. Then the next time it was down to 60. It just kind of gets better each time he faces huh. a good quarterback. That was the same case with Peyton Manning in Dallas. I believe the first time he faced Peyton Manning, like an 2 as a defensive coordinator with the Cowboys, it was like a hundred and thirty passer rating, and then Peyton was running the league. Yeah, then time. three or four years later, it dropped down to like seventy or eighty. So it, a lot of other factors play into that outside of just the coaching chess match. Sure, but it goes to show that a defensive line like Mike Zimmer can draw up a better game plan next time around. Now he's actually going to have, and the other thing too is not just Mike Zimmer, but health. Yeah. He's actually going to have weapons now. Right. He's actually going to have the full Monty of players it's that like he wants. Start, starting a chess game without your queen and a bishop. Yeah, now he's got now he's got the queen, in my opinion, Anthony Barr, not to say that he's a queen, but he's, he's th- the that kind of, piece. yes, the most powerful part well, of this defense. Trust me, trust me. Anyone <laughs> listening to a football podcast also pretty heavy on their chess metaphors. I get it. It's well, that's good. good. That's good. I think now that you because remember now, when you go back and look at that last meeting, they didn't. We, we talked about how they didn't have those three guys. They yeah. were also starting Anton Exum for the first time, and oh. I believe Anton Exum playing with like a broken rib allowed two touchdowns in that mm-hmm. game. Now they have Sandejo back there, but they've got Harrison Smith as well, healthy. Anthony Barr was off the injury report last week for the first time in eight weeks, mm-hmm. so that helps him. He looked healthy. He was sent after uh, Aaron Rodgers twelve times, which was the most I believe since the time they faced the Rams, which is when he broke his hand. Yep. So that tells me that he's healthy. That tells sure. me that they have trust in him now to play to the best of his ability and not be hampered by any injuries. And a lot of times that is rushing the quarterback. I mean, yeah. he's he's oh, good yeah. in coverage. He's fast sideline to sideline, but I think you see. His biggest strength is when you can get him in some sort of mismatch. Like, was it the end of the Atlanta game where they ran, lined him up mm. just right of Everson Griffin? 
yeah, left, left yep. tackle, and he yep. just went by unblocked and ended that game. Basically, I yep. mean, when you when you as Mike Zimmer can put him in a spot to rush the quarterback where he's going to have a mismatch or an advantage, you're right. He's the queen. Anthony Barr yep. is uh, is the the pivotal piece to the Vikings defense and what they've been trying to do. So basically, my why why we think they got a shot, obviously with the weather. Uh, Mike Zimmer facing him a second time, having a healthy uh, defense now finally with this Vikings team, and you saw what they're capable of now, limiting the Packers to 13 points, scoring on defense. That's something the Rams did as well in their last win. They scored on defense against Seattle. That's going to be a big X factor to me as well, is can they produce more on defense above and beyond just stopping them? Because that's something where if this offense plays the way it did last week, they're not going to get a lot of help. They're going to be on the field for 35 minutes again, and they got to be able to produce beyond just kind of stopping Seattle. Sure. I've got two more, and I know you've got one uh, big one um, left for how they could. So the queen on offense. But um, (laughs) I would say that... Cordell Patterson and special teams could change things. I mean, a touchdown there swings the complexion of a game. Yep. Uh, see another TCF bank leap. That would be that would be a bonus to the Vikings. <laughs> Just um, don't fumble it, obviously. Yeah, yeah how about that? <laughs> One man to beat and turn it over. Uh, I tweeted at the time. I think that might be if he was if he was high stepping when he fumbled. I think that it would have been the most Cordell Patterson play of all time that he. Takes a kick back, flashes amazing potential, and then turns it over and is just kind of like eh, it, it was whatever. his young career in a nutshell. Yeah, it really that was. That was a microcosm. Yeah. But yeah. I, so the other one, so okay, special teams. I I think Mike Prefer is a very strong special teams coach. Yeah, and they the forty one yard fake punt. Yep, uh, absolutely. Green Bay, yeah. To Adam Thielen, yeah. it was a uh, they they got a look that they liked from Green Bay. It's on over overloaded left side and. Uh, decided, hey, direct snap, Adam Thielen, 41 yards. That was that was a big play on that drive, obviously, early in the game. Um, so that's that's one thing that could swing it. And the other is Teddy Bridgewater, as much as we've kind of ragged on him a little bit for he needs to be better, I wrote a column yesterday on 1500ESPN.com saying, like, pretty bluntly, I mean, just flat out, he has to play better. Has to play better than he did against the Seahawks. Has to play better than he did against the Packers. What we've seen the three previous weeks before the Green Bay game, you know, uh, Chicago, the Giants, and who am I missing? Arizona. The Cardinals, that's right. Mm-hmm. It's in there. He, he's shown an ability to elevate his game, and it's just a matter of is he going to do that on Sunday. If Bridgewater plays better than we're expecting – that tips the scales back towards the Vikings a little bit. I don't know if it tips it in their favor necessarily, but it makes it a closer game. It makes it a more compelling matchup for sure. Yeah, they need a lot more from Bridgewater, their offensive line uh, as a whole. Uh, you saw, too, Arizona's defense is no pushover, so you know if he throws for a career high in yardage in Arizona, he's capable of doing it against good defenses. Yeah. But don't underestimate either how well the offensive line played in that game up until the last uh, sure. last play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Whoops. Yeah, that's that's something where they, they definitely need more from that. Uh, the big thing, too, to me is is just the inexperience that they have at this stage. Yeah. Uh, you, you hear players talking about it now this week of basically some of the veterans sharing to the young guys. Look, yeah, be be happy about this, but don't be overhyped about it either. Yeah. And that's that's the knock you hear on Bridgewater and, and getting too excited for things, trying to do too much, and just kind of playing outside of himself and making mistakes. That's where you see overthrows. That's where you see misreads. That's where you see failed reads and yes. things like that. Now, if Adrian Peterson is another reason why I think they can win this game. If Adrian Peterson, in a cold environment, windy, I assume they're going to lean on him. If he can levy some punishment on yeah. the Seattle defense in a game that – 
look, nobody's going to want to be on that field because of how cold it's going to be. Mm-hmm. If he can hit them early and, and take advantage of some of that and, and then maybe open some things up underneath for Teddy Bridgewater, that's something where I think if, if they can get more out of him than what they've gotten. Now, it's not on Adrian. The offensive line has not played well, in my opinion, the last few weeks when it comes to run blocking. Sure. They've improved a little bit in pass protection. It's just run blocking is something that they have not been able to do. And losing Red Ellison is going to be huge for yeah. them. They're going to lean on Michael Pruitt, the fifth-round rookie, to be more of a factor there in terms of run blocking. Kyle Rudolph is what he is there, and really this offensive line it needs to step up and needs to do better, and especially from what they did the last time against Seattle. So that's kind of where we're at right now with this Vikings team. Yeah. Derek, let's get to our pick segment. You said you're taking Seattle. Yeah. Since you already let the cat out of that bag, I'll, I'll let you explain your pick. No drama for me. I just think Seattle's clicking, and it's – Really, kind of too bad for the Vikings that winning the North led to this. This matchup. is the team nobody wanted to face. No one wanted Seattle. I mean, I, I, you'd rather go to Arizona next week. Yep, than and I don't face dis- especially given yeah. how they played against Arizona in the desert yep. um, the first time out. But I would say, you know, it's it's there's just not enough to me tipping the scales back to the Vikings. Things have to go perfectly well for the Vikings to make this a very competitive game. I don't think there's any team envious of their position. Yeah, you get to host a playoff game, which is great. Um, you stuff your pocketbooks a little bit more, helps your bottom line, and let's face it, you reward some fans for um, you know supporting the team. They do get to show up uh, to their team's playoff game, which isn't something a lot of fan bases get. Uh, trust me, I'm not taking that for granted. And this is going to be a great environment, too. Oh, you can't imagine. Zero degrees, playoff game, home playoff game for the Vikings. Can't even imagine. I just feel yeah. bad for the row of gentlemen with beer guts <laughs> that are going to be painting their uh, their chests. Instead of like... Go Minnesota Vikings. I'm guessing enough people are going to yeah, back out of that. That's where bravado crosses into stupid. Yes, yes. It just I, is. I think I think that line is going to – their numbers are going to be hurt so bad that instead of saying, skull Minnesota Vikings, it'll just be like, go. <laughs> you know, they'll have too, like the G and the V left. Yeah, Everybody else yeah. is kind of just – Two fat guys are like, all right, this is uh, – and even this is pushing it. Yeah. Um, no, so it'll be a great environment. I'm, I – Kind of envious, you know, the, the, that should be, if you're a Vikings fan or, heck, even if you're a Seahawks fan, going to that game will be a story that you'll remember for a long time. Regardless of what happens. Because I, I, I think it could be a good, entertaining game. It's going to have the feel almost, it was almost like that 2010 game where it's known because Brett Favre got knocked out and it was right. his last game. But that was the feel where I knew people that went to that game. I was in college at the U at the time. Yep. I didn't get to go, but I, I knew people that went to that game, and, and they still recall it as one of the best times ever, regardless that they lost 41-14. to 14. Yeah, I am. Um, well, actually, I'll do you one better. Oh, you were there? I was at that game. I was also a student at the U, as you well know at that time, Andrew. I had a final the next day, and I decided, "Ah, there are going to be lots of finals. You know, I'm not, I haven't been to a lot of NFL games. I'm serious. As a a fan, I haven't been to a lot of games. And so I just said, all right, let's do it. Got cheap discounted tickets because they were trying to fill the place. That little known fact, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, students got a nice little deal there, and uh, well, because it, it was a forgotten season for correct, the Vikings as a correct. whole. Correct, correct. And yeah. and I'll yeah. I'll tell you this, I I'm not a Vikings fan. I've never classified myself as a Vikings fan, but I did start Joe Webb at quarterback. Uh, or no, at wide receiver oh in the fantasy football semifinals that year. I was sitting like 10 rows deep at that pylon when Joe Webb dove for the touchdown, and that put me into the fantasy football championship. I will never forget that game for that reason. Yeah, the Brett Favre stuff. Yeah, okay, I remember that too. But uh, Joe Webb, thanks. 
Oh, you won on that. I one. think a lot of other people remember it for the atmosphere, sure. the snow. Yeah, yeah. Maybe not the semifinal win but with I'm Joe selfish. Webb at wide receiver. You might be the only person I think that would had that circumstance. That, yeah, that Joe I Webb. Can't ran imagine for a lot of people ran to the waiver wire and said, "Ah, Joe Webb." We nope, nope. Uh, that's that's <laughs> the football savant speaking for you right there. Yep. Get to start the guy at wide receiver, but definitely. Well, I, I, I think that atmosphere, fun, all of this stuff could be. Good news for the Vikings, but um, Seattle's just rolling right now, man. It's hard to see anybody knocking them off, uh, especially a team that's not fully healthy and doesn't necessarily know what it's going to get from its quarterback. I was wrong. The Vikings proved me wrong last week. I picked against them in what was really a coin flip, And but to, to say to the fans who emailed me and really got after me about that, I will say that I picked your Vikings the first time around against the Packers, and they proved me wrong again. You're wrong, too. Yeah, and here's the thing. Right. Here's the thing. I picked the Vikings to beat Seattle as well on December 6th. Ouch. And that was coming off the win against Atlanta. They were 8-3, and three, I believe, at the time. Yep. I was thinking, okay, they're back at home. They play tough at home. They're rolling. They'll do it. They'll roll in, whatever. Seattle had been struggling, and that's when Russell Wilson took off and took over the league the yep. last six games of the year. So yep. I'm not going to get, uh, or maybe I'm falling into the same trap, but I'm picking against the Vikings as well. Yeah. I just think that there's a reason they're underdogs. Uh, anybody who looks at this game cannot say that the Vikings have an upper hand going into it, not just the experience factor, but the way they're playing, the way the Seattle is playing, excuse me, and the way the Vikings offense just came off and won the division. Look, right. they won because of their defense. And, look, it's it's been shown that a defense can beat Seattle alone, which yeah. is what St. Louis has done. They just need to play ball control offense. They can do that, and I think there's a possibility, no doubt, but I'm not confident enough to pick them to win. So yeah. I've got Seattle winning in this one as well. And, really, if we're sitting here in a week or, or less than a week, if we're sitting here Sunday night saying, yeah, Viking season's over, it it's going to be – a success no matter what happens in my opinion sure. this season as a whole making the games. playoffs winning the division 11 and 5 even if they get blown out and if they win it's going to be holy crap look at the ride they're on yeah so well if they win look out because yeah. who else is in their way at then that they're going point. well then they're going to arizona yeah. and then it's hey this is a very winnable game for an nfc championship appearance so Absolutely. no matter what happens to me it's going to be a success but i'm picking we're both picking up against them here stay tuned for 60 second ap news headlines hi this is chris Howard, host of plug door chris Howard. University of Michigan QB J.J. McCarthy makes bold predictions but doesn't fulfill them, and Ohio State kicker Noah Ruggles misses an opportunity to etch his name in Buckeye lore. Fans love their teams and the players, that is, until they don't. When it comes to finger-pointing, you'll find no greater antagonist than the fan. Why? Because it means more to them, or so they believe. As a former player, nothing angers me more than armchair charlies accusing the teams of overlooking opponents or blaming players for providing bulletin board material. But leading up to the game, the fan is the one talking the most, boasting the most. When the team is winning, it's a lot of we talk. But when the team loses, it turns into they lost. You will never know what those moments feel like because you didn't put in the work to earn those feelings from those moments. That's the great thing about being part of a team. You win as a team, you lose as a team. We cry, we console our brother, we don't point the finger, we go back to work, back to the early morning workouts, the hill sprints, back to the bloody noses and broken bones. Why? Because it really means more to us. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. And don't forget BetOnline for NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts.